eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? This time, don't make a shake. Don't eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender, and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried, tough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors, old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. So next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for it in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? When teams come to Buffalo late in the year, particularly in January, they get off that charter flight in Buffalo and they get slapped in the face by the cold. They get out of the bus and go to their hotel. It is bitter cold. For the Bills players, you live in it, you work in it, you practice in it. It's another day at the office. Let's go. Hey now, welcome back to the Jim Rome Podcast, episode one of 2021, episode 157 overall. And this week, my guest is a seven-time All-Pro, a four-time AFC champ. He has played in four Super Bowls. He is on the Buffalo Bills Wall of Fame. He is Steve Tasker. Now, if you think this is about to be a Bills Mafia-centric podcast, then you would be right. And I'm not going to apologize for it either. Hell, I can't wait for it. Even if you don't like the Bills, you're going to love this conversation because it is football, baby. 90s football, present-day football. So let's get after it. Let's do it. And let's let it rip right now. This is the first episode of the new year with Steve Tasker, and it's coming right at you. Steve, it's been a moment or so since you and I have spoken. So first of all, thank you so much for making time for the podcast. Bring me up to date, Steve. How are you and yours doing in these totally unprecedented times? Well, it's it hasn't been all uh, doom and gloom. We've actually managed to uh, find a way to thrive during it. We've had uh, all, my family's growing. Um, all my kids are grown now for the ones I had while I was playing now. Now all my kids are grown. They're having kids of their own. We have a nice little isolation pod here in New York. Everything's kind of buttoned up back here east. Uh, you might not realize it, but we're kind of buttoned up tight here in New York. But we've got a big isolation pod with people that we love and respect, and uh, it's not all bad here. 
Well, that's how you do it. That's great. All right, Steve, so everything is different in the world right now, but speaking of New York, I've got to ask you, what is the vibe like in western New York with the Buffalo Bills preparing to host their first playoff game in a quarter of a century? They're loving this team. Uh, it's an easy team to cheer for, Romy, because you know they, the team loves each other. They're fun. They're having an absolute blast playing. They're, they're a blast to watch on TV. Nobody's in the stadium at all until this weekend where you know there's going to be 6,700 people in there. You can only imagine what the, the scene would be like outside the stadium on a normal game in a normal season if, if the Bills were pulling the stuff off that they're pulling off this year. It would be absolutely off the hook. It's, it's fun to think about. It's sad that it's not happening, but this team is, uh, the vibe here is uh, not only are they proud of this team, really happy about how they're playing and, and really optimistic about how these playoffs are going to go for them. They're also pretty content with the way the team looks going forward. So it feels like this is going to be a really special season but one that could be followed up by a really special era as well. Yeah, see, there's so much to unpack in that answer. That's such a good answer. And the Bills Mafia, there really is nothing quite like the Mafia, and I'll get to that in a minute. And there will be 6,700 fans there. I mean, in a sense that because of a a global pandemic, there are so many really pressing issues. It is kind of sad that the fans can't share this when they've waited so long for it. But I've got to ask you, you know, I know you remain close to a number of the guys that you played with. I'm curious, what do some of the other all-time Bills greats, guys like Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, on Andre Reed, Bruce Smith, what do they make of this group and how much fun are they having with it? Well, I'll tell you, it's funny you mention those guys. I'm on a I'm on a text loop that I call the five presidents, you know, and it's <laughs> me, it's it's Chris Moore, the old punter, Will Wolford, an old right tackle, left tackle, and then it's Jim, Bruce, Thurman, Andre, Cornelius Bennett, Daryl Talley. All of us are on a text loop together. And Romy, they are absolutely losing their minds over this team. They love it. Um they all are very beloved here in the city, even though most of them don't live here. Uh, Thurman and Jim do live here, as, as do I. The rest of those guys are scattered about, but they are beloved in the town, and they love the city as well. Um, and they could not be happier for the team and the success it's having. There is absolutely no bitterness at all about the, you know, the new guys playing well or you know, comparing ourselves to, these old guys, to the new guys or any of that. They could not be happier. It's, a, it's an easy team to root for because they seem to be – as closely knit as we were going into our fourth Super Bowl, you know, just a bunch of guys that that knew each other so well and and are having fun playing together. So uh, those old guys could not be enjoying this success more. So let me flip that on its head, Steve, because the guys you played with, they were not only great players, these are great guys. These are really good guys. So I'm not at all surprised to hear that they're pulling for the group today. What about this current coaching staff and today's team? Do they embrace the great Bills teams that you played for in the 90s? Yeah, in fact, when Sean McDermott was hired, um, I don't know, it was like in a January or something like that, but around this time of year, you know, when teams do that kind of thing, he was hired after a couple of weeks, maybe deep into January. And then midway through February, three or four years ago, um, just a, maybe a month or two after he was hired, Sean McDermott had that group that I just spoke about to dinner in Buffalo. The team brought all of those guys in. We sat around the dinner table with Sean McDermott in a private room, and he asked us, really pointed questions about why that team was what it was. Why was it special? Why was it successful? Why was it able to sustain success? You know, why was, why was it uh, possible to bounce back from so many crushing defeats in Super Bowls, that kind of thing? And, and you know, a <laughs> couple of bottles of wine into it, we, he got some pretty straight answers, you know. And, uh, it, was, uh, and it was interesting, too, because Sean's a, Sean's a completely class guy. And he, during the conversation, he pulled his phone out and started, looked like it was texting. 
And he goes, guys, he goes, don't, he goes, don't think I'm texting friends or not being given you. I'm actually taking notes on what you guys are saying about how, why, what, you know, he's, I'm writing some of this stuff down. So we were really flattered by that. And whatever it was he was writing down and whatever, uh, you know, insight he got into that team back from the early 90s, he certainly surpassed it uh, because the what they've built here in Buffalo seems to be uh, not only unique but replicatable and sustainable here in western New York. Um, certainly you got to know that Buffalo is not L.A., it's not New York, it's not Miami, it's not Houston, not Denver, it's not, anyone, you know, it's not Vegas, uh, it's not Seattle, it's not a big city with a lot of people and a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it is a city that is unique. It's a medium-sized city, and you have to do things differently here. And he built it in such a way that they're going to be able to replicate it, and it appeals to free agents to come here with the rhetoric and the program they're putting together. They're able to sell what they're doing here to guys who are looking for a home. And then, uh, you know, Romy, you know how it is. Good players make you better. And we can, when you can lure good players into your building, you get better. I think that's an amazing response, Steve. I think that's all true. And for you, that's the highest praise. When you say to me that you like what they're doing such to the point that they can actually replicate what you did, I mean, I'm not going to be flip about this when I say this. I mean this sincerely. It takes a heck of a football team to lose four Super Bowls. People don't understand that. It takes such a good football team to lose four Super Bowls. I'm kind of <laughs> curious, Steve, like what, what was said at that meeting when he breaks out his phone app and he's taking notes and he's asking you, how did you guys do that? How did you guys bounce back from that? What made you guys so unique? What were some of the responses? What was said at that dinner? Well, it didn't happen overnight. Um, you know, Kelly gets, you know, Bruce got there in 84, I believe, or no, 85. I think Bruce was drafted first player pick in, I think, 85. And Jim got there in 86. Thurman got there in 88. Biscuit got there in 88. Um, and we didn't go to our first Super Bowl until 90. It, and some of the reasons, the things that happened to get them to that point was certainly they had to get better players than they had in the, in the early 80s when they were going back-to-back 2-14. and 14. But some of the things that happened organically that we related to Sean McDermott were that when we got good, it was because the guys on the team – knew so much about each other. It certainly was a different era when guys, there was no free agency. So when you got drafted or picked by a team, you were there for life. And it took a long time for us to get to know each other to the point where we liked each other in spite of, you know, what knuckleheads we were, you know. <laughs> uh, you could be a knucklehead in that locker room. The guys still loved you because they knew you so well. Uh, and that those relationships that have carried us through three decades, the old guys, Sean has found a way to get his teams to that point of, you know, knowing and caring about each other outside the lines and away from the football facility uh, and done it in a real big hurry. Ours kind of happened organically, and Sean has orchestrated a program where these guys know each other really, really well uh, and and get there in a real short amount of time, uh, in time to – you know, contribute in a one-year prove-it deal. You get guys like, you know, Vernon Butler and Mario Addison coming in, dropping in out of the sky this year, um, being just as all-in as a guy who's been here as long as Josh Allen, you know, in his, in his third or fourth year. Um, that's been a real trick that Sean McDermott has managed to pull off, where these guys have intimate relationships and friendships outside the lines 
And when you do that, Romy, uh, you're on a good team. You play for something that's bigger than yourself, and you become greater than the sum of your parts. You know, um, makes- and that's what you see in Buffalo these days. Hey, you want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. I mean, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you consider all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. Steve Tasker, you know, it makes so much sense to me, Steve. Like the teams that say the chemistry doesn't matter are generally the teams that don't have chemistry. And I'm on the outside looking in, but it seems like these guys do play for each other and they love each other and they pick each other up. And you mentioned Josh Allen. I mean, what a revelation. Like, Steve, how do you explain a guy, and and certainly a guy with tremendous upside and potential, but somebody who had a lot of questions entering the league, how do you explain him going from that guy to a legitimate MVP candidate in year three and literally doing things to that even Jim Kelly never did. It's amazing because, and you, you think of all the football guys we've seen uh, who have come into the league and not been successful, or for whatever reason. Um, you say, you tell what's happened to Josh Allen. You think, and it sounds so simple, but that, that in and of itself, the guy's almost like a unicorn. It just, it's never happened before, right? So he comes into the league. He's, he certainly has got all the boxes checked physically. He's got a huge arm. He's a big, tall, six-five athlete. Can run. He's got all of that stuff going for him, uh, but he, you know, he tries to win the game on every play. He doesn't really read defenses that well. Uh, he's in a brand new offense. He's got all this stuff stacked against him. And what the Bills knew they had in him were, were a couple of things. One, he's extremely intelligent. He's a really sharp kid. Uh, two, he's a great kid. Everybody loves him. He's pulling for everybody on the team. He wants everybody to be successful with him. Three, he works really hard at it, and he had a long way to go. Um, he made significant progress even earlier. He was so far down the football knowledge rung ladder. He made tangible progress from week one, the first week he started in week two of 2018 to week three to week four. Each week you could see him getting a little better, making a little better throw, a little better decision here, a little better move there. And then he'd have games where he'd try to win the whole thing again and play hero ball, and it would all come apart. But the kid is really smart. He works really hard. And the club gave him stability around him and kept giving him more and more things to work with. And all of a sudden, you get to this season where there was no offseason, no preseason games, a lot of new faces on the offense, and the kid steps onto the field and – I guess he reached critical mass in his knowledge and his ability because from the week from week one on, they've been lighting it up, and uh, all of the hard work he's put in has turned into this statistical year that in in many years would win him the MVP. Um, he's really put it together, and it seems like everything else here, Romy. It seems like it's for real. It's not like it's a. This is not the L.A. Rams of a couple of years ago where they kind of put it together in the first year of Sean McVay and now have had trouble getting back there and kind of keeping it together. This is a team that seems a little bit more like the Kansas City Chiefs of two years ago. That team and the Chiefs that went to the championship game and lost in overtime to the New England Patriots, that team that was just a juggernaut. That's kind of what this Bills team feels like. They feel like they've got guys lined up 
and they seem like you're going to have to score with them to keep up with them. And uh, they're a lot of fun to watch, and it all centers around a quarterback that seems like he's a little bit of a unicorn. You know, that's exactly what it feels like, Steve, the way that they have built this thing, and they built it to last. And then you want to talk about a unicorn or a revelation. I'm, I'm not even sure what the word is. I look at Stephon Diggs, and it's amazing how quickly he, Steve, and Josh Allen have gotten on the same page. I mean, there were reportedly issues between Diggs and the Vikings when he was in Minnesota. In fact, I'm really curious. What was your reaction when you heard the Bills had made that deal and they had given up a first-rounder to get to Diggs, who may or may not have had character issues? Issues. I'll give you the real thing was I was like, oh, gosh, I hope it works. You know, right? I hope the guy, I hope the guy fits in. Right? Uh, I hope he doesn't like derail this quarterback. You know, whatever. You know what I mean? I just I thought, and I and then I thought too, and, and I heard some guys coming out of Minnesota, and some of the and to their credit, the, the Vikings, the players and coaches, even Mike Zimmer said, you know, nah, he played hard for us. He's all right. You know, nobody seemed to have a real problem with him, but certainly he saw a tantrum on the sideline early last year, and, and that always kind of tends to get bent out of shape, particularly on a game day when a guy shows frustration. But, you know, when he got here, uh, and, you know, in this day and age, it's easier to connect with people electronically, even in a pandemic. And so he and Josh started a, an electronic uh, relationship, a friendship. They started, you know, playing video games and that stuff, and, they, and that gave day, and both these guys are, you know, really intelligent guys, and they know what they're looking at. And when they start playing video games, they started to reveal things about their own personality. The thing that gets me, Diggs never played him before. And Josh Allen bent over backwards to help Diggs get good. And it was he was steadfast in his, you know, sacrifice in these games to help Diggs stay alive and making sure he could stay in the game. And he'd come to his rescue constantly and never complained, said, I'm here for you, and, and constantly kept Diggs in the game by helping him stay alive in these games. Amazing. And that really struck Diggs as the kind of guy who's really going to be there for him every single time Isn't he got amazing? in trouble. Right. And, you know, so they hit the field together in real life, and Diggs looks at this big country kid who's a lot like Opie Taylor of Mayberry RFD, and he says, you know what, that's who this guy is. And because he is genuine, because Josh has none of that in him, Diggs knew that he could trust him. And, uh, of course, when he hit the field, Josh Allen learned he could trust Diggs pretty quickly as well. It's amazing. You know, one more thought about Diggs, too. Like, we know what, what he can do for the offense, and we know what he can do for a quarterback. I'm really curious, though, Steve. Like, what has Diggs meant to that locker room? Is he the kind of guy that leads from the front and makes others around him better? I think it's absolutely the case. Um, that has been a real revelation. I think one of the things, and we spoke to Sean McDermott about this at that dinner that I told you about, when your best players work the hardest, your worst players have to step up. And that elevates everybody. When your best players, when you're, we had, you know, that team I played on in the 90s with Bruce Smith, Andre Reed, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, James Loft, you know, we had five Hall of Famers. And they were the hardest working guys on the team. Well, you know, a guy like me who plays special teams, man, I got to match that. Um, that's what Diggs has done for this Bills team. He works really hard, and he encourages the other receivers in the room. He he has he's got an immense amount of respect for Cole Beasley and John Brown. Those guys work really hard. He said it himself. Steph Diggs said, Cole Beasley is always open. He said it to the media. Uh, when you've got guys promoting each other. 
uh, it's really easy to sell out for the common cause, and that's what these guys uh, are doing, and Steph Diggs is at the center point of that. So, Stephen, you mentioned that you played with those five Hall of Famers, and they were the hardest workers in the room, and you were just, quote, just a special teamer. I mean, you had an amazing NFL career. You had a great, great career. In fact, it, the value was not lost upon Marv Levy. The first thing he did upon getting there was to bring you in. I'm curious, when you first got there, what was it like the first time you walked into that locker room? <laughs> Uh, that's a good story there, Bromy. I I got off the plane on a Saturday for the Sunday game. I didn't know any. I knew one guy on the team. I hadn't practiced. I hadn't walked through nothing. I didn't even know what jersey number I was going to be. The first time I walked into a meeting as a member of the team was the eve of the first game that Marv Levy had as head coach of the Buffalo Bills. I was the first new player the club signed once they hired him. And my first meeting was a meeting. It wasn't a practice, wasn't a walkthrough. It was a night before a game meeting. I got there 12 hours before the meeting, and I, you know, I, so I get in. I sit in the back of the room, and, and you know me, Jim, Romy. You've sat next to me. You know, I, I mean, I'm I'm a five nine little white dude, right? And I don't really look the part, and I know it. So I'm sitting in the back of the room kind of hiding out, right? Because I'm brand new. Nobody even knows if I'm even – I haven't even met anybody. So I'm in the room, and tomorrow, tomorrow 1 o'clock, we got to play the Pittsburgh Steelers with a brand-new head coach in Marv Levy and, you know, some new guy in the back room with, that nobody even knows is even in there yet. And Marv steps up to the front of the room, and, of course, he's a Hall of Fame – he's a future Hall of Fame coach who's going to be in the Hall of Fame because of the team he's in front of right then. And in the room is Marv Levy in the, going in the Hall of Fame, Jim Kelly, Bruce Smith, and Andre Reed who are going in the Hall of Fame. And in the back of the room is the general manager, Bill Polian, who, by the way, is in the Hall of Fame. The whole team is owned by Ralph Wilson, who's now in the Hall of Fame. All of those Hall of Fame careers are beginning that night. And I'm sitting in the back of that room. And Marv begins to speak to the team who was 2-14 and 14 two years before, 2-14 and 14 one year before, and is 1-9 and nine that night. And he begins to convince these guys that they're better than that. And you could see the room perk up. And you could see guys sit up because Marv had the ability to capture guys. And he, he was telling these guys about what they were going to be, what they, you know, what they were no longer going to tolerate, the players that he envisioned them being. And you could see guys take it to heart and sit up straighter in their chairs and start to take notice of this new head coach. And at some point during his speech, he looked at the. He said, "We've also we signed a new player that's going to help us tomorrow. He's going to cover kicks to us tomorrow. He kicks for us. We picked him up from the Houston Oilers. He's a good player. He's a special teams player. Uh, Steve Tasker. Steve, stand up." And these guys facing Marv were like, "Hey, awesome! A new head coach, a new player. We got us some help. A new player. Wonder what this guy looks like." And they turn around, <laughs> and I stood up, and you could feel the disappointment in the room, oh, right? Wow. <laughs> because I stand up, and they're like, "What?" Wow. Who is that guy, right? So that's how my career in Buffalo started. And, uh, of course, you know, the next day we went out and we actually beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in Mars' first game as head coach and, and the rest of the thing. I, and, Romy, let me just tell you something. I walked into that room. There were five haulers of Hall of Famers in that room that, I, that nobody knew about. And, you know, even today, I'm still cashing it like it was a lottery ticket. Uh, it was one of the great moments of my life that you never recognize until years later. But uh, 
it, it was uh, a wonderful moment for me, and it was a huge opportunity and a great gift that, I, that I'm still thankful for. What an absolutely amazing story that is. So do you want to improve your health, but you're not sure exactly where to start? With thousands of health strategies available, identifying which one works for you is really tough. According to MetPro, the key to seeing results is to master your metabolism. At MetPro, your metabolism is not some mystery, it's a data point. Armed with hard science, MetPro is your health concierge, delivering one-on-one coaching and personalized nutrition plus fitness regimens. It's not just about weight loss. MetPro's coaches provide busy professionals, athletes, weekend warriors, and everybody in between with the support and the education they need to live a healthier life. And MetPro's team of experts has worked with the most recognizable names in sports, entertainment, and business. They have helped thousands of individuals transform their bodies by hacking their metabolism. And recently, they launched a brand new tool, which allows you to experience the same science and tailored strategy that their experts use. This is not a food logging tool or some workout app. The MetPro app allows you to start tracking, analyzing, and learning what your metabolism responds to best. So if you're looking for a high-touch experience, working with a metabolic expert, or if you want access to the tools that their industry-leading coaches use, visit metpro.co slash Rome and take their assessment and speak with their team to learn which option works best for you. That's metpro.co slash Rome to take advantage of this amazing opportunity. And listeners will also get up to one month for free when they sign up. Just go to metpro.co slash Rome and take advantage of this amazing opportunity. And of course, Steve, you're selling yourself way short. You had a lot to do, obviously, with the success that team had and the run they had. That That is such a great, great story, though. I mean, there's playing bigger than what you are, of course, and there's making plays the way you made throughout your entire career. But if, in fact, you were that guy, you were that five foot nine, small guy, I'm kind of curious, if that was your first game with them, how about your first game against the Giants when you see an in-his-prime, out-of-his-mind Lawrence Taylor flying around the field? What did you make of the first time you saw LT doing LT yeah. things? So in my rookie season, we're in the Hall of Fame game, the Houston Oilers. And the first time I suit up as a pro athlete, I'm in the Hall of Fame game, Canton, Ohio. It's the, Buffalo, it's the Houston Oilers against the New York Giants. And, of course, it was the year after LT's rookie season, right? So I knew who that guy was. I'd seen him on Monday Night Football. I'd seen him go 95 yards with a pick on Monday Night Football, right? And I thought, wow, he's pretty fast. I wonder, you know. So I'm sitting there stretching in all my 5'9 glory, and the Giants come running. They had this thing with Parcells. They used to come out in single file and run up the sideline in single file. You've seen teams do that, right? Sure. It's just kind of sure. one of their things. The Giants come out of their locker room, out of, the, out of that end of the, the old stadium there in, in Canton, Ohio, and they run up that sideline in single file, and the first guy in the line is Lawrence Taylor. And I'm looking at that guy, and I know how fast he is. I'm thinking to myself, I am way too little to be playing with these guys. Mm. <laughs> that guy, if I've seen him outrun everybody on the field and look at how bad that guy looks, I was, I was like, oh, my gosh, what is going on? And, and you know, of course, he wasn't even as big as, as the rest of the guys, but, oh, my gosh. So I was sitting there in the Hall of Fame game, and, that's the, and that was a, it was a great Hall of Fame class, too. It was O.J. Simpson. It was uh, Roger Staubach. I think it was Joe Namath and uh, Ray Bratsky, who was an old 49ers guy. Great four-guy, four-person Hall of Fame class. Um, that was the first time I ever got a load of 
and I, I tell this to Romy, I tell this to youth football players, little kids all the time who are starting to play football, and it never changes. We were the Buffalo Bills went to four straight Super Bowls, and we were as big and bad as they come in the NFL. We were a really great football team, and even on that great football team, when you're sitting in your end and you're stretching and getting ready to warm up to play, and you're into the football field. Every single game you ever play, and when you look down at that other end, that other team looks phenomenal. They look big. They look scary. They look talented. Their quarterbacks look talented. They spin it. It doesn't matter what team you're facing. When you're warming up for that game, that other team down there looks really, really scary. And I tell that to young kids every time. And I say that's what football gives you. You and your buddies on your team are going to take – those big mean guys on and you're going to beat them. And that's one thing football teaches you. It's a lot, takes a lot of courage to look down at the other end of the field and know you're going to get into a physical battle with some guys who really look mean and it takes courage to do it. And that's one of the gifts football gave me. I love the teams I was on, but that first time when I was on the field as a pro athlete, yeah, I had some doubt. Yeah, man, it takes a different breed. It takes a different breed, to be sure. Steve, let me ask you this before you go, and I so appreciate this conversation. You've got your old pal, Frank Reich, in Indy coming in this weekend. Since it's been a while, can you remind everybody what it's like to come to Buffalo and deal with the elements and play in January? Now, you're not going to have the fans there, which is going to make it a little bit easier for the opposition, but what's it like to come to Buffalo and deal with those elements and play in January? I'll give you an example. We, when, when we're playing with the Bills, we used to go down to Miami and have games late in the year down there. We always played really well in Miami. Um, and people said, wow, how can you go down there? It's always hot. You guys have been living up in Buffalo. I said, listen, it's, you get off that plane, the airplane in Miami, in that charter flight when you're an NFL team, you climb down that staircase, you just put your arms out, and you just soak in the sun and the warmth, and the, it's just awesome. And you go out and you play the game. All you have on is a T-shirt under your pads, a jock and socks, man. You almost feel nude under your jersey, man. It's just awesome. In Buffalo, when teams come to Buffalo late in the year, particularly in January, they get off that charter fight in, flight in Buffalo, and they get slapped in the face by the cold. They climb down the stairs of that airplane, and they are hustling to the to the bus they get out of the bus and go to their hotel it, it is bitter cold they go to the next morning they come out in pregame warm-ups they walk in the tunnel everything is just bitter it is an absolute shock that you have to play and prepare and you know get ready to play an nfl game in something that's so bitterly cold for the bills players you live in it you work in it you practice in it it's another day at the office let's go that's the advantage Steve, so leave me with this thought. And, and by the way, I, I kind of know what you're talking about, not from a football standpoint, but as part of CBS's coverage, I was at the AFC Championship game last year in Kansas City. My man, I was outside for maybe 45 minutes before going on the air for a couple of minutes. I'm still not right. Yeah. Now, I'm a, I'm a right. soft SoCal native, but I'm telling you, man, it was that cold. I'm still not right. How y'all would strap them up and, and play in those elements, I've never understood, but that's all part of the deal. When you look at this Bills team, leave me with this thought, Steve. They, this team, I would argue Buffalo right now is as hot as any team in the league, and certainly how you're playing, when you're playing, is really important. Can you make an argument that they're, in fact, the team to beat? 
Yeah, you can easily. This team in Buffalo reminds me of the Kansas City Chiefs of two years ago. They kind of came out of nowhere with a quarterback who had sat his entire rookie season and then came out and had an MVP-type season. That's exactly what Josh Allen did this year. They stepped in, and they are scoring points uh, by the bucket loads. And I've thought this for the, for the last six weeks, Romy. It seems to me, now I know this, there's a lot of things that have to happen in the next couple, in the next couple of weeks. But I'll tell you this, for a lot of weeks, I have thought that the Buffalo Bills are on a collision course with the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship. These two teams remind me a lot of each other, and they are playing really good football, and they're playing at the top of their game every week. I think this is an amazing town. I think it's an amazing fan base. I think the organization is doing a tremendous job. And I, I'm even going to argue, Steve, that the NFL is not only better when the Bills are good. Man, the entire world is better when the Bills are good, and they are really, really good. I can't say how much I appreciate the conversation. It is so good to get caught up with you, Steve. The insight is tremendous. I love the energy, and it's great to have you on this podcast. Steve, thank you so much, and good luck. Jim, thank you so much. Appreciate it. So what do we want when we're craving protein or we need some more energy? I'll tell you what we don't want. Bars, sugary snacks, energy drinks. No, what we want is actual beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your father's jerky. It's not shriveled. It's not dry. It's not tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. That way it's tender and tasty. It's not tough. So why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take their smoked beef extremely seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein and it comes in four amazing flavors. Make sure you look for it in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality which you are purchasing. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? Super pumped to have that conversation with Steve Tasker, especially ahead of an enormous weekend for the Bills Mafia as the Bills go up against the Colts. Now, if you dug that, I've got plenty more where that came from and plenty more on the way, so make sure you get subscribed. It's fast, it's free, it's easy, it's smart. Start 2021 off with an easy win, and if you have a second, please leave a review and tell a friend. That all helps out, and I appreciate it so much. I'll be back next week with episode 158, but until then, here is the triumphant return of your voicemails. First new message. Hi, Jim. Bella in Calgary. I had this long speech prepared about thanking you for 2020. And if you wanted to retire this year, you can go ahead and do it. We can all look back and think how great this year was, thanks to you. But personally, I just wanted to say thank you. That's it. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Jim. Branson in Ohio. I just wanted to say 2020 was a rough year, but one thing that wasn't rough was having you in my earbuds every day at work. You really helped me get through this year. Great year in the jungle. I even plan on uh, calling in the show maybe a little bit here and there, but definitely looking forward to 2021. Thanks, Rome. Peace out. Message saved. Next message. Rome, Donnie from Wisco. The mail bowl is bullshit and uh, no good. Bye. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Jungle World. Yours truly here. Just wanted to send a quick congratulations to Derrick Henry and welcome him to the 2,000-yard club. This guy is impressive. The way he slashes and knifes through the defense, 
really reminds me how I used to do it back in the day. And his big performance today helped me drive the dagger through another poor fantasy football opponent. Well, that's about it for today. I got to get back on the hunt for Ron and Nicole's killer. Take care. Message deleted. Next message. Romy, Justin in Melbourne. What in the hell is going on? I've been trying to get through on the voicemail for the last two and a half hours. And then I thought to myself, oh, yeah, the Buffalo Honk fans are probably blowing up the voicemail with Super Bowl aspirations. I mean, guys, congratulations. But can we get real? Do you guys really think you have a shot against Casey, let alone Tennessee? Enjoy your Super Bowl parade. We all saw it on TV at the airport. But that's as far as you're going. Message deleted. Next message. Snagger, Kenny and Albany. Love the Clinton Fortis podcast. Guys from the U, always tremendous. I got a little beef with you waking up at 4 a.m. You're starting to be the wakes up at 3 a.m. guy. Late. Message saved. Next message. Is this Jim Rome? Hey, this is uh, Reggie in Ontario. Calling from my iPhone 7. I'm wearing a blue shirt. What about these holidays? Jim? Jim? <coughs> Message deleted. You have no more messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.